who likes really good coffee? <laughs> who likes really good food? <laughs> good. Good, good, good. Well, let's, let's uh, begin. Uh, I, I want to uh, start before I talk about the next thing I'd like to, to move on to is, is strength. Uh, let's do something together. Let's do a, a, a awareness meditation investigation. I'd like to do away with the word meditation. I'm on a quest. I'd like to do away with the word. The word for meditation uh, that's used in Burma and Thailand for the last couple thousand years is kamma bhavana in Pali, which is a, like, like Sanskrit. And it actually means uh, mental culture. Does that, make, does that ring now? See where that, that connected? It doesn't, when we talk about meditation, it's not just concentration. It's the entire development of mental culture, culture, enculturation, development of, men, of mentality. Uh, so let us practice, uh, explore. So let's take the word meditation out for the moment and use the word discovery and exploration. of that which leads to a richly endowed human being. How's that? That would be closer to the way the word meditation is used for the last 2,500 years uh, in Southeast Asia, among professional, in the professional meditative traditions. Sure. The... <coughs> Can I? Discovery and exploration, unfoldment, exploration, discovery, experimentation towards leading to helping, supporting the unfolding of a richly endowed human being. That would be closer to what we really mean by meditation. of which there are hundreds, if not thousands, of techniques to support that. Okay. Let's do something really simple. And it's going to, I'm going to do this for you because I'm going to return at some point in, in a few minutes to a theme call, I'm going to call uh, Outer, Inner, and Secret. Okay, so I'm going to return to that. Outer, Inner, and secret, which has a lot to do with virtue and ethics, concentration and wisdom. Very important point. But let's just do something together. Let's do an exploration. Something very simple. So I'm going to leave that tea out. And anybody who wants to help themselves to it, uh, please do so. Let's find. I'm going to. I'm using this as a lead into my next discussion. But let's find a posture that is fairly upright. So what I'm doing here is I'm sitting on the edge of a chair and kind of in a squarish fashion, that is uh, at 90 degrees. 
And what does that do? When you sit on the edge of a chair and your spine is relatively straight and your eyes are looking ahead or looking down the floor, but looking, looking ahead is good, what does that do immediately to the physiology? Can anybody feel what that does? You have to be sitting kind of on the edge of a cliff. Well, how does it wake it up? And, and how are we being alert? What do you feel the body has done? Can you feel how it's open here? Can you feel it opening here? When you feel alert, what do you do? You actually breathe. Let's try something. Good to have glasses off. Very slowly, just follow with me. I'm going to show you something so simple. Mindfully, that means attentively. The only thing in the whole universe that's important is feeling the sensation of what's happening, going slow and being perfectly present with this. The first thing I want you to do is feel your feet touching the floor or the shoes touching the floor. Just make contact. Anywhere the body is making contact, just feel the sensation. hands, the bum touching, perhaps the air on the skin and the clothing. Okay, very slowly, with your eyes, very gently and slowly, look without moving your head look into the upper left corner. And now come back as slow as you can to where you're looking straight ahead. Let's try that three times, very slowly, moving the eyeballs so you're looking in the upper left quadrant, in the corner of the room. slowly coming back.
made now the right direction. From the middle, sweeping gently up to the right, far right edge, far right corner with the eyes. Gently, no strain. And feel what that's now feel what it, the sensations in the body as you do this. Any comments? What have you noticed that's happening? Any, any feedback? It's not like a, a test or anything. What, what are you feeling in the body and what are you finding by doing something so straightforward as this? Okay. And, and what did you feel in the body as you were as you were moving the eyes? Okay, tension. Yeah. Anybody else have tension? Jaw, tension. Stomach. What was happening with the stomach? Was it moving? Was there any breathing down there at all? Oh, everything slowed down. My whole body slowed down beautifully. Okay. Okay. Anybody else? This is great. Felt like laughing. Okay. My eyes felt strained, actually. Felt strained? Okay. Tension, resentment. Okay. Anybody else? Warmth? Sadness, sense of space. How many people, try it again, how many people were not actually breathing as the eye was tracking towards the corner? Stop breathing. The stomach is held and actually tight, like this. Uh, try it again now. Now see what's like to move the eye without moving the head, because you, you want to gently and see now if you can actually relax the belly, relax the, the front of the body and the, the, where you're breathing in here and just see what that's like. Try it a couple times in one direction the right and try a couple times to the left. And see what's happening with the breathing. By that I mean the sensation of breath.
That's good enough. Isn't that something? What have you discovered? Not to say that there's one right discovery, but just do it as a, as a, as a discovery. What, what kinds of things do you discover? Doesn't breathing make it a lot easier? And, and uh, anything else? <laughs> Perception increased, yeah. Do you feel more energy in the body? Yeah. Connection? The eyes lead. Can you feel how much control there is around the eyes? Isn't that something? And how much tension there is in the eyes? With the intensity. Intensity or tension? Uncomfortable, yeah. How much, how much time in the day is given to using the eyes? How much is the estimate of the nervous system involved, the brain and the nervous system involved in the eyes? What's the current estimate? The low estimate is 40%. The high estimate is 70% of the entire brain is to do with eye function. Okay. What do we do all day? We're visual human beings, yes? Okay. Did you, how many people felt a difference between the right, the right side looking and the left side looking? Was there a big asymmetry? Let's try this again, three times to the left and three times to the right, but this time moving the head with the eyes slowly and feeling the entire body of sensation.
Okay, that's good. Any further observations, discoveries? Much easier. More open and joyous. Mm. <coughs> I found on the left side, it says the left side here, repeat, and repeat on the side after the <coughs> Did anybody find now that not just the head was moving, that other parts of the body were moving with it? Yeah? Okay. That the actual body is getting involved in this. I found it easier to breathe. Found it easier to breathe. What, what, does the, what does the body sensation feel like now, from when you started to what it feels like now? Fuller? Relaxed? More open? Anybody else? Grounded? Stronger. Oh, stronger. Calmer? Energized? Did you feel a sense, some of you, that you were actually meditating? Why? Something else. Something else. I'm going to write this on the board in big letters so that we... Something that is so missing He's gone. He's vanished. <laughs> this will be, in some ways, the major theme which, of, of the other five or 20 themes for this weekend. But this one's big. Big, big, big. Not breathe, breath. Not breathe, breath. Mindfulness and awareness is dead without breath. It's a dead practice. I'm speaking classically. It's dead. It's a dead end street. If we go over to the spiritual category, what would you say about a spiritual being? Spiritual beings that you have met, let's take someone that we, most of us love. One of my teachers, Dalai Lama. What would you say about the Dalai Lama in terms of breath? And what's the word spiritual actually mean? Spirit. What does the word spirit mean in English from the old German, old Middle, middle European? Breath. Spiritual means breath. That's actually what the word means. To be a spiritual being is to breathe. 
And when we breathe, what actually happens to us? A breathing being is a alive, a living being. So let's put up here. Let's take the word. Let's let's we can use the word spiritual, but let's say a spiritual being is actually a living being. Hi, Debbie. Need your special capabilities. Have you had enough water there? Okay, there you go. Thanks. So let's say a spiritual being. Let's use the word the word spirit. Spirit is to breathe. A fully breathing, living, full of life being. Yes? Certainly the deeply spiritual beings I have had the joy to meet and live with have been full of life. I'd say even full of beans. That's how I used to describe my first teacher, Mrs. Raff. She was a, uh, when I met her, she was 60 years old, German uh, lady, about this high. And she was a fireball full of beans. Mm -hmm. uh, my root teacher, my main teacher, Namjoon Rinpoche, Canadian, uh, even though he didn't do much physically, had more mental energy and vigor than most 20-year-olds I ever met. Full of life energy, full of capacity. See? So you see what happens here. Something as simple that you do all day long, day in, day out, which is moving the eyes. If it's not conjoined with breathing, what happens? Can you feel what it's like? Tense? Rigid? What else? Contract? Limited? Mechanistic? That's interesting, eh? I'm going to come back to this again and again. This is the key. This has been taught for thousands of years, and when I listen to tapes, which I don't do very often, I did for this course, I usually don't read that much, the stuff, and listen to tapes, but I've listened to some things and read some literature recently on mindfulness and psychotherapy, and the, if I may say so, the biggest thing that's missing is a misunderstanding and not understanding of the importance of not, not talking about breathing, breath. And if it's not done, 80% of all mindfulness practice and awareness practice has been missed. And the complete ground and fundamental is, is out of it. It's like, it's like doing something dry and brittle. Okay? And I just demonstrate it for you. I don't understand what you mean when you say I'm not talking about breathing. Thank you. Great. <clears throat> Breathing is this. Let's all take a bigger breath. Let's use our lower belly. Let, no, no, no. Let's use our sides. No, 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 no. You should be using your upper part. No, 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 no. Actually, you should be breathing like this. 
No, 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 no. You should be breathing in through here and then this way. No, no, no. You should be using this technique of breathing. No, 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 no. You should be using that technique. Are you confused? Yeah. <laughs> you do know that there's been well-documented cases and studied of yogis and maybe yoginis who get put into a sand pit six feet down. They fill in the sand and they come back three or four days or a week later and, they, and the person comes out and they go, and oh, hi. <laughs> How'd they do that? It wasn't like this. You got a lot of sand up your nose? You ever done that? You know? It's like, ah, that's really uncomfortable. They're not breathing very much. We're not talking about that kind of breath control. We're talking about the, when we mean the word breath, we can, we can probably be non happy in these things. But, uh, the word breath means prana. You've all heard, probably heard this word. Prana is the actual translation in Sanskrit, prana. And prana is a word uh, which is equivalent to chi in Chinese, or a key in Japanese. Prana is life. Prana is sensation of breath. When we mean breath, who here, how many people felt breath when your belly, your, your body became more relaxed? How many people felt the breath in your belly? You were breathing with your belly. That's absurd. You don't breathe into your belly. You all know that. What, were, what was happening? What were you doing? No. What was actually happening? No, you people, it's too complicated. Way too complicated. What was actually occurring? Okay, no, no, stop, 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 stop. Oh, you do know. You do know, but it's too straightforward because all the spiritual stuff gets so confused, so highly, I don't know what words. Let's try it now. Focus on the sensation at the tip of the nose. Feel the breath go in and out or out and in or not at all. What's breathing? What do you know about breathing? Air? No, you don't know anything about air. What's air made of? Yeah, okay, it's too complicated. No, no, what is it? What is it? What is it? It's sensation. It's nothing but sensation. That's all you know anyways. You know nothing about anything besides sensation. Is that right? Yeah. Think about it. Well, don't think about it, but feel it. Do you know anything about even what's occurring right now but a sensation? Do you know anything about breathing and breath but the sensation that is happening? No. You know nothing. Zip to zero. Nothing. And either do I. Nothing. When we breathe, we're having a sensation, we're having an experience. All the rest of it is imputed with the mind as conceptual stuff. Try it. You'll find out. You know nothing. 
Is there any difference between the sensation at the tip of the nose and rubbing the finger along this cloth? No. They're both sensations. And we both call them breathing. So what is breathing? <clears throat> breathing is action experience of sensation. And what do we usually use as a word, which we don't even know what it means, but we like this word? Energy. We say it's a flow or experience of energy, but none of us know what it means. It's a fuzzy word. Hmm? It's a fuzzy word. It's one of those fuzzy words we go, well, I know what energy means, and I know what you know, and so we communicate it, but we know nothing about energy. But we say, what is energy? It's sensation. Hmm? Is there anything else that you're having right now but experience? Are you all having experience right now? How do you know you're having experience of some type? No. Consciousness is a word. You have some sort of sensation that indicates you're having experience. Isn't that right? That's really what you know is a series of experiences and sensations. And how much do we know about that? Not a lot. Okay. Without awareness of breath, which is sensation, you can call it chi, you can call it prana, you can call it Fred. Frank. Without a frank experience, <laughs> you're dead. You're dead. And you just had that experience trying to move your eyes. Look at that. How something so simple, seemingly simple, that we do all day long, which is move our eyes. Moving the eyes without sensation or aliveness of breath is a frozen, rigid experience. So, being a spiritual being is all these qualities, but can we put here alive? You need to be an alive human being. Otherwise, what happens when you're not an alive human being? You know this from your practice. You know this from your therapeutic practice. When you are really in sync, connected to a client, what's happening? It's fun, but what is it? You're alive, you're in the present, and you're actually a living human being with another living human being in an alive experience. What happens when you deviate? You all know this because we've all done this. What happens when you deviate away from breath, being alive? What's it like? Disconnected. Isn't that right? We've all had that experience? Disconnected. What's that disconnected like? It's really uncomfortable, isn't it? And what is going on in your nervous system when you disconnect? You've become a cerebral being. You've now lost your body. Your body is cut off from your, your you know, we have this thing in the West, like this, cut off here. We think we can walk around with a head, you know, sort of in a, in a test tube or something like that, in a big jar. And we've lost all sensation. But when you're present and alive, it's glorious. Isn't it? It's an amazing experience. 
synonymously because we don't know what breath is. We're not measuring air, we're not measuring atmosphere, and we're not doing a weird number with our special breathing techniques. We want to be able to have full sensation. And when you have full sensation in your body, it's glory. Isn't that right? It's glory. And that's why people take drugs a lot. And they take substances. And they drink really good Darjeeling tea. And we go for a superb cappuccino. <sighs> wow. 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 And when people meet spiritual beings, I've seen 20,000 people sitting in front of the Dalai Lama at 14,000 feet in Ladakh, and I go around and ask them, why are you here? How are you doing with the meditations he's giving you? I couldn't care less. Why are you here? I just want to be there. You look at the body, they're like this. Totally in a state of rapture. They feel alive. When I ask them, so what did you learn today? Nothing? Do you care? No, nothing. I don't care. That's what people want to do, don't they? They want to be alive. Would your clients not want to be alive? Isn't that really what's happening? They want to be alive. In the tradition of meditation, both the Kabbalah, Hindu, Buddhist, Christian mystical tradition. It's about being passionately alive. And without full sensation of breath, full awareness of breath, permeating your being, you are frozen in places, you are disconnected, and you're not a fully living being. Okay. What I've just described to you in terms of body is what we call traditionally the first foundation of mindfulness. Without it, all the mindfulness in the world is fine, but it's a dead experience. It's a brittle, it's an unalive, unwoken up, brittle, fragmentary, unsupported experience. This must come first. I'm teaching classically. It must come first or it gets shattered all the time. And some of you are yawning and breathing, trying to get air in here. Something as simple as moving the eyes and focusing on body sensation does what? Brings it through. Debbie, if you could write outer, inner, and secret. Before I do that, I've written merit in the word, the Sanskrit word punya, capital, uh, long stroke over the U, I think so. Punya, merit, and strength. 
the reason so many people are having problems with meditation and spiritual life is there is not sufficient strength. It's never been developed. You have to be a strong being. There is not strength. And that strength comes through, to a large degree, breath. We have usually in the teachings of uh, called Vajrayana, other teachings, but in um, the yogas of, we'll say Buddhism, the use of outer, inner, and secret is 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 has great utility. When we think about our bodies, or we feel our bodies, does everybody have a feeling for a physical feeling, a physical experience with? Blood vessels, arteries, and veins. Yes? Do you all know what an artery... I think all of us can say we know what an artery and vein is because we've popped them. <laughs> we've cut through them. We've, uh, you know, been cutting a bagel on a Sunday morning and, and sliced through our finger. Yeah? Okay? You've got a pretty good physical sense of, of how important vessels are. Nerves? Ever seen a nerve? You've, you've felt them, haven't you? You could say that every human being on this planet is aware of blood vessels to some degree. Knows what a blood vessel is. Knows what it's like physically to have nerve sensation. Yes? Okay. These channels that carry our vitality of nerves, blood, which are also carrying hormones, gives us vitality. Isn't that correct? For everything you've studied. Without it, you're dead. Okay. In the tradition of yoga, that's called the outer body. It's what you feel, what you see. Heart, organs, kidneys, muscles, tissue, but especially what's carrying vitality is blood. With me so far? Okay. That's something that we can measure. It's something that we can touch. It's something that all of us as human beings are, have readily, have good accessibility to. We can see that in another person. You look, and you can see what we call veins. Yeah? We can look into someone's eyes and say, they look alive. You can put your hand here and go, hey, it's pumping. You can put your finger here, and you go, there's a pulse. I woke up this morning, and go, I can see, I can walk, I'm alive, I have a body. Yes? Okay. We call that the outer level. In that sense, breath is breathing. It's the feeling that you're actually breathing. Well, most people say, I'm breathing. I know how to breathe. I breathe. I breathe all day. These are stuff, this is things that we take for granted and most of us know. When we come to the inner, we're talking about something that is mostly accepted now by medical science, but not at all well understood. And it's, it's understood for thousands of years among yogic practitioners, people who meditate for thousands of years, as much as you would know how to drive a car, 
or you take for granted that you can open a door or you uh, can go to a store and buy uh, duvets. Okay, it's that straightforward. It's called the inner body of sensation or the inner body of the veins, the energy veins. Blood and guts. Call, they call it the inner veins, meridians. Anybody go for acupuncture? Yeah? Um, veins, meridians, um, lines of force. These are not mystical things. They're very real. How many people have ever had an acupuncture treatment and really felt it move, really felt the changes happen? Yeah. A good acupuncturist can not only feel where those lines are, but they can actually see them on the body. It's real. It's for real. Okay. Those veins can be traced. They can be utilized. And, you do, and some of you probably know is that when those veins, those major uh, veins, which are connected to the organs, are imbalanced, what do you feel like? Anybody had that experience? What happens when you have the meridians balanced? Vitality, balance, relaxed. Okay. Another way of explaining this, which would be explained the same in the Chinese tradition as the Indian tradition or the Tibetan tradition, is that unless the breath goes through those veins and is moving without being stuck, you get sick. And when we mean an organ such as the kidney the liver, we're not always talking about the kidney and the liver. We're talking about an energy body that is no longer being permeated by the sensation of breath and it's not being carried. Okay? Just like the nerves and the blood carry hormones and so on and connect the body together with vitality, if these thousands of different veins are not working, you get very sick, okay? Because you're not full of vitality, okay? Any questions so far on that? I'm, I'm moving along to a certain point. It's really important. Any questions at all? Does anybody not know what I mean by this inner energy, inner vein body? Some of you know, probably from experience with acupuncture, that just, just pushing a few points can actually make the difference between being sleepy and being, oh my God, awake. That's how quick it is. Okay. Yes? What else is in the inner body besides the emergency? The, the inner body, if you want to consider it this way, it's like a... Oh, it's just like a room. It's like a room permeated with sensation. And all through the room are pipes of light. These walls are probably have wires to them. The room is not empty of sensation and empty of energy. But the main things carrying the, the, the lines of, if you want, the lines of, of life or lines of energy are all these conduits of energy. 
so too the body is, has hundreds of thousands of these lines, of which 10 are really central. And then there's another eight, and so on, that are, that are major. So it's basically like um, lines running through uh, space, but the space isn't empty. Okay? That's, a, that's another, another thing. Anybody else? No, 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 I wouldn't. Anyone else? I'll get to that in a second. Anyone else? Why am I, yes? That's a good question. What holds these lines? Yeah, what holds them together is the physical body, but actually they don't need, they don't, when we get to, especially the secret body, they don't actually need anything to hold them together at all, okay? But uh, that's another, what's holding them together is mind, but that's, that's another thing bit mystical. I want, to, I want to go back to the outer again, because this has to do with breath, it has to do with strength, it has to do with a pet topic of mine. What nourishes blood, body, nerves? Where do you get the nourishment for your being every day? Food. What else besides food are you taking into your body? Breath, water. Okay. How many substances do you take into your body through your skin, through your mouth, every day? Substances, as you're drinking <laughs> from a plastic water bottle. How many substances do you take in? Hmm? Yeah, at least 100,000 substances into your body every day. How many man-made synthetic chemicals are you ingesting through, into your body every day? Things that have never been seen on the planet except for the last 30, 40, 50, 60 years. 20 to 70,000 man-made products every single day are going into your body. Nature does not know what to do with these things. Cells have never been designed to know what they do with these things. These are pesticides, insecticides, herbicides, pollutants, chemicals from your shirt, dyes, cosmetics, shampoo, water bottles, the works. Thousands upon thousands. The lowest number is 20. The highest number I've ever seen in a scientific journal is 70,000 per day. The Buddha said, Shakyamuni said, all beings live by nutriment. When you're a novice monk, the first thing you're supposed to learn is food. If your ingestion is off, this is sick. It may sound like I'm running a political campaign. <laughs> We're living in, a, in an era of industrial food. Okay? People are sick. I'm going to make a prediction for you. The evidence isn't completely in, 
but a lot of what you're dealing with with your clients and a lot of what you're dealing with is a hundred years of toxic buildup. It's a huge load. It's a huge load. Yes? I have a question about some people really love it and some people could care less. And I'm kind of wondering whether that would affect the same concept or that's also another form of <coughs> really there is a spectrum. There's a spectrum of people that love food, foodies. They love food. The, the, the act of putting something that's delicious in the mouth is glory. Other people are not such foodies. Put some food in, fine. The more alive you become, the more alive the body, the radiance of the mind becomes, Everything that you're touching, everything that's going into your body, everything that you're even coming in contact with is glory. Is glory. Yeah. Whether you become a foodie or not, whether you're aiming for the finest cappuccino that you can ever find and the best source of coffee and making sure that you're drinking it no more than 20 minutes after it's ground, well, that's a different kind of thing. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, we all have our little things. This breath is connected directly, if I could this, These three categories are directly connected with breath and sensation. Don't make a separation at all. We're now talking about meditation, by the way, and we're talking about the entire spiritual life. I'm, being, I'm, t I'm teaching completely classic and from my own experience. Breath is not just this. Breath is everything you're contacting. And the more you become aware of breath, the more you can become sensitive to when you ingest or take things in and how it feels in the body, including being in a room including what you're holding, even your posture, is all to do with breath. What clothing you're wearing. Now, you can get obsessive about it, because actually a lot of it's to do with mind, but that's where they come together. If you're not nourishing your outer body, what happens? Not just with food, with concepts, ideas, you're ingesting all day. What do you do as a human being? You're an ingester. You do that, come on. Isn't that, let's, let's, isn't that what we do all day? We just ingest. We eat, we eat, we eat ideas. We eat, we eat, we eat, we eat, we eat, and when we defecate and pee. We defecate and pee, yes. We give. We give. It's like a little kid coming up to uh, mommy or dad and going with you know, a piece of poo in their hand. Look! Look! It's incredible. If the inner veins and meridians are not well-nourished or imbalanced, what happens mentally and emotionally? It's out. It's out. You, you, you just did that with your eyes. Your eyes and your breath were the outer and their inner body. That's how fast it, it is. If this is full of toxins 
And if this is full of ingesting a life, it is not conducive to tranquility, calm, and aliveness. This inner body is having a very hard time. I'm going to show this to you this weekend. Okay, stick around, and I'm going to demonstrate this relationship. Okay, this has to be nourished. The breathing meditations are nourishing this area here. And because this area is nourished, it affects the outer. Just look at someone who's done three or four days of meditation retreat. Look at their eyes. A month. You guys have, many of you seen that, eh? Month, six months. The eyes are white. They're brilliant. They're sharp. Even in two or three days, it can happen. Okay. The secret body, what we call the inner, inner body, the secret body, is normally what we call only three channels and what people often call, another misused word, the chakras, but three major vessels. Okay? And they run from here, if you're sensitive, you can feel them, from here, the two, from here on the tips of the nose, like this, into here, and they run along, and they come down um, about one and a half inches in front of the spine, but around here. Okay? And we have a central vessel, which is extremely subtle and very difficult for most people to, to experience. They think they do, but they don't often. Runs from in about here to here and goes straight down about an inch and a half to two inches in front of the spine. It's more of a mental body. It's not going to be easily found by science anytime soon, okay? Because it's a mental construct. But it's very subtle. What you did with your eyes is we balanced your two side channels very rapidly. It was a trick. It was a conspiracy. Balanced your two side channels, let your breath go, and what happens is you feel a, sen a sense of groundedness and centering. Okay? At the secret level, the vessels, the veins, and the way in which the energy work is extremely subtle, but as you practice and you get more used to it, it becomes very direct and very real. But it's a bit like pipes of light and a mental body. Okay? In that sense, sometimes in yoga we call it not real. It's there, but you're not really going to find it. Because sometimes the central vessel is this big, and sometimes it can be as wide as a room. Sometimes it can be as tiny as a, um, as a, as a hair. Right? It's, 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 a, it's, a mental, it's a mental formation. If this level is blocked, these are blocked, and these are blocked. It's all about nutri uh, nutrition. In the teaching of yoga, the storage of concepts and your, your mental history, trauma, joys, the way you experience the world, the whole conditioning of your being is stored. You can put that. Let's put stories. Let's put the word stories and veins. 
if you don't know about this and you haven't really probed this by direct experience, it sounds mystical. For anybody that's spent a lot of time with this, it's, it's like going shopping to the grocery store. It's, it's just, uh, it's been around for thousands of years and it's just regular stuff. These veins are like pipes. Now, when there's enough imbalance in the channels and the breath doesn't flow, has anybody ever been in a room with a chimney fire? In a cabin or a room with a chimney fire? What's it like? The pipe starts to turn red and if you're not careful, it can blow and take a big whooshing sound and it can take down the entire house. What's it like when you don't breathe? What does it feel like when you can't breathe? What happens? What are the kinds of emotional feelings and sensations when you can't breathe? Terror, anxiety, choking, rage, panic, explode. Let's, let's hear the other things. Paranoia, pressure, frustration. Fear of death? How about right now? How about today? Did anybody feel that they just weren't taking a full breath? What's it feel like? A little frustration. A little bit of irritation. A little bit of uncomfortableness. Do you see how it's going? That's because the pipes, the veins, are not flowing. A little bit of acupuncture, 30 seconds, a little bit of eye work that we just did, some, some, some things that Jamie's going to do with you this afternoon at, at about 1.30, you're going to feel incredible. You're going to go, oh my God, it's meditation. Why? The veins are flowing. If the veins aren't flowing, you don't have meditation. You have cerebral meditation. You have forced cerebral mindfulness, which is brittle and dry. Following so far? When the veins are open, you're going to go, this is effortless. When the veins aren't open, it's like trying to put your head through a wall. It's a silly, silly process. And is unclassic, yes. Um, I found from uh, doing the Feldenkrais that if you could feel the channel opening, that you also had to go, I felt I had to go through the feelings, the terror, the, whatever it is. What is terror? What is fear? What is uh, frustration? What's rage? What's greed? What's lust? Come on, tell me. Sensation. Sensation. <laughs> Would anybody say it isn't? What is it? What is there anybody disagreeing? You can. I don't mind. Is it anything but a sensation? What is it? It's breath. That's, that's for later. What is all those emotional experiences, whether they're positive or negative, how are they experienced in the human organism? Experienced in the human organism. What are they? They're sensations. Yes? Okay. The conceptual mind that makes up stories ends up laying down tracks, just like it ends up laying down tracks in your nervous system. Right? Anybody with following? 
just like stories and and concepts about the world, the worldview, how we perceive the world, how we interact with the world, is laid down in the nervous system. It's also laid down in the inner body, and it's laid down and stored in the secret body. The purpose of breath meditation and the purpose of breath yoga, which is a study of the opening of these vessels, is the clearance and the opening, the relaxing of these stories. What we call in the tradition of spiritual paths, purification. Purification, purification, purification. All purification. They're, they're, they're held at all three levels. But the deepest level, which is the hardest place to get them out, is at the secret level. The reason it's called secret is because it's hidden from most people, that's all. It doesn't mean it's, it's a secret. It just... It, uh, put it this way. This is, when you have a thought, if I'm speaking right now, how do I speak to you? Not because I'm speaking consciously to you. It's coming from a whole body of stories, of whole body of stored material from these, these, these three levels. The deepest one where it's really flooding from is from here. This holds the deepest level of conditioned material, both of, of great awakeness and also of great doom and terror. That's why A child, because it doesn't usually happen to adults, but that's why a child can wake up from stage four sleep, which is where there's no thoughts, in utter abject terror, right? A night terror. Utterly, completely terrified. And when you ask the child what was happening, they know nothing. That's just the well of energy, the anxiety, with no name coming up. Total terror. That's because the ch those channels are completely frozen with memories, with, with stories. Okay. The health, the clearance, the openness, the purification of the inner, of the outer, the inner, and the secret vessels and veins is a vital being. That's what you're dealing with. As long as these are blocked, the degree they're blocked is the lack of vitality, the lack of strength, and the inability to fulfill this. Okay? Without an awareness of breath, Trying to practice mindfulness and awareness is a bit like trying to put your head through a wall of gyprock. You can do it. I could do it, especially if I practice some qigong. But it hurts. 
it really, really hurts because you're taking a dead lump of wood and trying to do something with it. In the great traditions that were taught professionally, this came first, not this. Or this, 20 hours a day. How do you do this 20 hours a day when this is ill? So you show up at the Zen monastery, traditionally, not now, not today. When you come show up at the Zen monastery, come on in, let's meditate. A hundred years ago, show up at the Zen monastery and say, get out of here. I want to become enlightened. Get out of here. Oh, I want to become enlightened. We'll do something. Show us what, what, what you're made of. Oh, I'll cut my finger off. That's traditional. But um, that's to show blood, actually. Show vitality. Where do they put you? You go to the Zen monastery, where do they stick you? They stick you in the kitchen or the garden. Why? You think they want you in the, in the, the hall meditating? Are you kidding? God, I don't want to be here. Are you kidding? Who wants them with you? Stick them in the kitchen for a year. See how they do. Stick them in the garden. See how they do. Let them actually gain good food, good nutrients, good concepts, settle down, slow down, gain some strength. I had a young person came up to me. He's asked me this about five times. What should I do in my life? He just wants to meditate. He thinks if he just, he's like 22 or something. He thinks if he just meditates, it'll all happen. It'll all happen. He says, what should I do? I said, go get a job. Can't hold down a job. I said, well, you can hold down a job, then we'll have a, we'll have a talk. There's no strength. He comes to me for meditation advice, and I said, go get a job. Go do some work. Prove that you've actually got enough strength to hold down a job instead of always telling me that the job wasn't good enough for him. That's how fundamental it is. There's nothing nourishing, even the outer level. Can I make a recommendation? Just a recommendation. I don't know how we're going to do this. But I believe that food is so important that we have a duty not to tell people what kind of diets they should be on, but how to rethink what constitutes food. Food, real food. Not chicken McNuggets, not special stuff, not special diets. Food. People have to learn to nourish themselves at such a fundamental level, they feel what's like. I, I spent three months in retreat in Italy last year. Do you know one of the reasons why I picked the retreat in Italy? Do you have any idea why, why Jamie was working in Portugal, well, finding a place in Portugal first, and then I went, no. And then it was a place in Spain. I went, no. And then, where was it? Sicily? Uh, yes, Sicily. Uh, no. And we, then we went to the Heel. We found that 21-room hotel. 
It uh, fell through. Yep. We picked that one. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, and I said, I want to stay away from, from a CC. I've been to CC lots of times. Let's find somewhere else in Illegal. Well, a place was found an hour from a CC in, in Marque province. Food. Why am I doing this retreat in Italy? Food. They know what food is. It's a culture of food. Not, not organic food. Not this diet, not that diet, they know what food is and how important it is to a human being. You don't even need more. They laugh when you say, is it organic? It's laugh in your face. Laugh in your face. It's good food. They say it's good food. You eat the vegetable and you go, because there's markets three times a week. You don't shop in the, in, the, in, the, in the shopping market. You go to the markets where the local growers are bringing the produce. And you eat the tomato and you go, my diet is mostly rice and vegetables and a bit of meat. And every day, three times a day, three of us in our house anyways, I don't know about the other house, but we're going, it's food. And it feels great. You've got to start there. There needs to be a revolution. I know it's a good there needs to be a revolution in our society about food. We're living in an industrial period of food, and it's actually causing a big strain on people's nervous systems and physiologies. Okay, I'm not talking about special diets. That you figure out for yourself, what you need and what you like. But you have to, eating is like breathing. If you don't breathe and you don't have full body sensation, you're not alive. And one of the major things that you're doing every day is you're ingesting. You're ingesting ideas, you're ingesting stories, and you're ingesting food. Okay. It's about becoming vital. Alive. What are we doing here? Let's, let's hand these out. You can... This is like school. There you go. Any questions while that's being handed out? Yes. A little bit more about the shockers in this That's it. That's all I need to say. Normally speaking, the, the channels, the two side channels, when they're stuck, they bundle up at certain points and they squeeze off vitality. Okay. And you can feel that. You can, they squeeze off vitality. So it's like, it's like you've, you've seen the, um, is it the car Carducis? The Carducis? Normally speaking, these two side channels, and you can feel it here. Everybody, anybody ever feel pain here? If you focus here long enough, a lot of your, when you focus here long enough, 
sometimes you're going to feel real pain, like a, literally like a nail being driven through your forehead. Oh, yeah. Just focus here for a while, and it's going to feel open and blissful, and then eventually it's going to feel like there's a, literally like a nail going through the forehead. That's because the two side channels have knocked out the vitality here. It's funny that the medical system is showing an energy body that's closed. When the, the, the three channels get cleared, get really cleared and open with vitality, it looks like this. They no longer strangle the central pillar. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk about this more. And then it's the central governing vessel. No, the governing vessel is different than the central channel. That's why it's, that's why it's more subtle. It's a different, even, it's more a, even more subtle. That's where there's a bit of confusion between Qigong, uh, the vessels in Qigong, and um, uh, acupuncture with this, this, uh, this uh, inner yoga body because they're actually talking about different vessels. One goes up the spine and one comes down through the front. This is actually in front of the spine and it's a very, very subtle vessel. But it's extremely unsubtle once it gets penetrated. Yeah. And it contains... The, the deepest part of the vital, clear mind, energy. Okay. So we're going to come back to this, this chart. I want you to take this away with you and, and read it through. What I've been explaining to a large degree is the first tetrad, the first tetrad called, classically called mindfulness of the body, kaya nupasana, this is the Buddha. Buddha taught this as the cornerstone. All... Anybody confused? Y'all? Okay. All Buddhist meditation systems, no matter how esoteric, no matter how basic, no matter whether it's the beginning, the middle, or the end, any Buddhist meditation system, of which there are hundreds, this is the core. This is where it came from. Okay? This is one of the first discourses the Buddha taught, and this is the foundation of every single meditation system that's arisen since. Okay? You understand this, you understand them all. That's how it works. Okay? If, there isn't, if there isn't recollectedness and awareness of the breath body, forget Meditation. Forget it. Forget it. Okay. Number four of the first tetrad. Okay. Uh, number three. Experiencing the whole body of breath, I shall breathe in. What does that mean? Don't think that there's anything esoteric about this. The Buddha was a down-to-earth guy. It's exactly what it says, experiencing the whole body of breath. What does that mean? The whole body of breath. Experiencing the whole, what does it mean? Nothing mystical. In and out. Nope. Nope. It's exactly what it says. The entire body is full of sensation, aware sensation. That means from the tip of your toes to the tips of your ears to the tips of your fingers, Every single cell 
feels like it's completely alive with sensation. That's exactly what that means. This is the four foundations of mindfulness. This is how it was taught and where it comes from. Okay. It's for real. It's not a metaphor. It's not esoteric and it's not mystical. It means you have experienced what it's like to have vitality, breath, permeating the entire physical body, not the inner body and not the secret body. The actual body that you know feels totally and utterly alive. That's where we start. And that can take days to months. Nobody has yet gone over seven days in retreat to get to that particular spot. There have been challenges. <laughs> Believe me, lots of challenges. But eventually, anybody, uh, not anybody, uh, psychotic, no, but uh, even someone with great distraction, with the right instruction, in about six, seven, I think the longest was seven days, will experience, at least briefly, what it's like to have a full body alive with sensation. And they usually never forget it. I still get emails from a lady that, I think, I think Jane was around for this, a lady in, she's not from New Zealand, but she came to visit in a retreat, and she literally lying on the ground, she couldn't stop looking around. Even just being on the ground, it's like, like this. Poor, poor, poor being was really struggling in this retreat. And six or seven days later, experienced the full wash of the body coming alive. And I still get emails once or twice a year saying, I still haven't forgotten what that's like. And now she's meditating with different people and she's trying to come to retreat. But uh, that is usually a momentous, mystical, religious experience. It is the vitality of the body being experienced often for the first time. Not just an arm, not just a head, not just the sexual organs, Right? But the entire body has now been experienced as an alive being. At least briefly. Guess what we do traditionally in meditation? If we were training as a craft or an art or a semi-professional or a good amateur, what would we do once we experience that once? Again and again, to what, to what degree? To what degree are we going to learn how this works? Pardon? So we do it 24 hours a day, and we know how it works, and we know that when we go like this, it's there. That's what they mean in there, in that text. And the fourth one says calming. Calming the bodily formations. Calming the bodily formations. I shall breathe in. Breathe in. Calming the bodily formations. I shall breathe out. That means you know exactly how it works, how it's done, how you get there, and that means you can actually calm the bodily formations like that. Okay? Because you know how this works. Okay? 
this is unfortunately not being taught for people, most people that are meditating. And it's certainly not being taught as a craft. 